You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Today is a special episode, number one, because it's episode 50 of my podcast. So that's great news. If you've listened to all 50 episodes, thank you. The other reason this is important is because one of my guests is my older brother, Garrett, and his colleague, Joe Slack. Uh, I want to start out by having you think about your past. Maybe you were younger, you were a kid, you were at home on a rainy day. Maybe it was a holiday or a party, birthday party. You remember sitting down, hanging out with your friends at a table in your bedroom somewhere, playing a board game. Some of your best memories or some of my best memories were being a kid playing board games with my friends. And we don't think about board games as adults because we're so busy with our lives, working, running businesses, doing things. But board games, I think, still have some value in our modern age for adults as well. My guest today, Garrett Arcarachi, who's a professor at the Rochester Institute of Technology, Joe Slack who is an expert in board game design, are here to talk about board games. Uh, and more importantly, I want to talk about you guys and your history of, of your interest and your passion for board games. So why don't you tell us about your background in that? Uh, I guess Garrett could start off with that. Well, I, my, uh, it's, I remember my first communion. Uh, I stayed up. I got to stay up late to play Monopoly with my parents, I stayed up past midnight, I think for the first time. So I was probably about seven years old. So, and I don't remember if I won or if I lost. All I remember is that I got to stay up late. So that I think is, a, is interesting in the sense that, I mean, I was only seven years old, but it was a big deal at that time to be able to stay up past midnight. Yeah. So there's always that association, I, I guess, maybe deep down psychologically, I associate playing board games with being free, free to stay up late and do what I want to do. But uh, that's that's the first real memory I, I have of playing a board game. And then I graduated to playing uh, a lot of games with my uncle, and he would always just destroy me. So yeah. there's... I learned all about losing and and handling defeat at the hands of my uncle. And we played uh, not, I don't know if it was like true board games, but they were games like Rebound where you had these little uh, circle discs that you, you, you bounced off of rubber bands and yeah. they would go around the board and then you try to knock the opponent's little thing off and you tried to score points. Right. So that, that's a that's a very old game. But as you mentioned earlier, I think one of the things that really speaks to board gaming is this whole concept of problem solving. Right. And I I I played with Legos too. So Legos, you, you kind of build you, you would build things and you would try to figure out, you know, how do I build given the bricks that I have, how would I build something you know different with them? outside of the normal instructions. So I think there's a lot of problem solving and a lot of things that you do, but definitely board games. And, you know, especially when you're competing against somebody else, 
it's not just about problem solving, but oftentimes, especially with a lot of the games that are out there now, it's all about doing it in a very efficient way, trying to trying to be better and more effective at, at resolving those problems. Right. And what so about you? Joe, yeah, what about that. what about you, Joe? About your background? How did you uh, find your passion in, in board games? Well, I grew up, you know, playing all sorts of different games and uh, like, like Garrett played Monopoly and also played Life and Clue. And then um, around grade eight, got introduced to a board game uh, group that was doing uh, some other games other than Risk. And I always grew up with card games around the family. So I, I have fond memories of playing uh, Euchre and um, uh, not 21, uh, Euchre and Cribbage with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And another card game called Frustration with my other uh, my other family at like Christmas time and mm-hmm. and uh, you know so I've always had board games around me growing up and then as I got older you know got into party games and some more modern board games got really introduced to the the modern board games and about eight years ago I was playing some party games with some friends and I started to think you know what you know, this game, you know, it's, it's kind of lacking something like we just keep playing the same thing over and over again. It was really fun the first time. And now it's not, you know, as much fun. Maybe I could create something similar to this, but where there's a little more creativity, a little bit more involvement. And that's where I started making my first game. And I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) but I, you know, made the game, played with some friends, really worried that somebody's going to steal my idea and put it on Kickstarter and make a million dollars. Well, that's not going to happen, but um, then just evolved into another game and another game. And one of those card games, I evolved into a very fast-paced dice game because it was like a three-hour card game i was like can i make that into like a 20-minute experience with dice and i managed to do that and then the ideas just kept flowing and i just kept making more and more games and you know um i worked in healthcare for about 17 years and i was just ready for for a change and i was starting to see things really pick up in the board game world and luckily i was um, in a privileged enough position not everybody's able to do this but i was able to you know save up, plan for it, leave my job and start to do this full time. So designing games, now publishing games, I'm an author of four game design books and uh, I've taught at a university, uh, game design and development, and I run my own online course now as well. Yeah, I, I see that. And that's that's great. I mean, if we look at board games from a business perspective, I mean, business is all about problem solving, but also teamwork and collaboration, Right. Yes. So what what do you think you guys or what do you think the value is in, in playing board games and facing the challenges board games give you in like a business setting? I mean, what can we learn through playing board games? Because there's very varying degrees of, of difficulty, right? There's really simple games and then there's really super advanced games, right? For sure. What, what yeah, do you think I mean, people can learn from, from these from these games? I, th- I think there's a lot to be learned and, and you'll see in schools um, more and more are using games for education, uh, games to teach different topics. I mean, you can learn everything about uh, teamwork if you're like working on a, or playing a cooperative game, for example, um, how to win and lose graciously as Garrett was alluding to, Um, math, language, um, problem solving, how to make things more efficiently, how to be more creative in different ways. I mean, games have come a long way since Monopoly and life um, you know, they've, they've gone for those who, who aren't in the industry or don't play a lot of games, they have come so far. Um, yeah. They're not anywhere at the same level as video games in terms of popularity, but it is just this golden age, this renaissance of board games. And it's picking up and picking up. And you've got these conventions that hundreds of thousands of people attend every year. 
So it's, it's really become a big thing. And there's a lot you can learn from that. And also from game design, from game design, my goodness, like you're just constantly solving problems. There's something that doesn't work in your game. Uh, mechanics not working. This theme's not meshing. You're always trying to get feedback, learn from other people, make changes, iterate, and keep yeah. going. And that's really the cycle of uh, doing a lot of projects. The same thing you would do in a lot of business. You just iterate, learn from that, make changes, and keep improving all the time. Right, right. So Garrett, I want to ask you, I mean, if we live in a world where kids nowadays are glued to their phones, their tablets, their computers, they're playing games, why does a board game, a physical, tangible board game that you can put on a shelf or on your desk, why do you guys think it still has that holding power now with, with the way kids, you know, and technology have, has evolved over the years? Well, we're human beings, so we're social beings. And when it comes right down to it, you want that interaction, you know, and you don't want the interaction to be have like a gap, I guess, you know, when you're on your phone, texting, it's not the same as actually hearing that other person's voice and talking them onto the phone, or talking with them on the phone, I suppose. And it's, I mean, to to speak a little bit to to what you asked before about uh, how games can really teach people quite a bit. There's so many games out there now that are very thematic. uh, And I can remember, you know, playing Risk. And that kind of made me think about, you know, World War II. And what, what was World War II all about, right? Yeah. And then there's games like Compound where you're, you have to, you know, actually create chemical compounds. Right. So I think the, the, the real value is, is that it can help people discover where their interests may or may not lie. They may not even know that their interests are in history. And one of the things I found by playing, you know, Axis and Allies is, well, you know, World War II could be, is very, is a very interesting time, you know? So, and then when you, when you're playing with other people and you're conversing back and forth and you're there seeing their thought processes, seeing their strategies, you know, you learn from that. You, you learn from what other people are doing and it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not the same as somebody writing something up on a blackboard and saying, memorize this. Right. It's, it's more, it's more interactive. It's more uh, tangible. And because it's put in, a, it's put in, in a context that is meaningful to you because you're playing this game and you want to learn how to play it and you want to win. I mean, there's, there's always that element of, you know, that, that competitive spirit that some people have. Right. So that there's this, there's this in, inherent motivation to want to do better at it. And then yeah. you have cooperative games like Pandemic and where, where everybody has to work together. And I think, uh, I, I think I remember reading an article years ago because Pandemic now has been out for almost 15 years and there was a Harvard review on it where they actually used it, you know, as to teach people how to work together, how to, how to collaborate. And that's, that's the funny thing about, especially in the business world, when you, when you think about it, how inside the business, right, inside this 
businesses themselves are competitive. Business A is competing with business B or business C, right? Right. So you have that competitiveness, but then internally, you know, especially now with, with you know, a lot of um, modern and contemporary corporations, everybody has this mindset of collaboration. You know, we need to work together. We need to, we, we put people in teams with different skill sets uh, and everybody feeds off everybody else's expertise. And pandemics, that's exactly what pandemic is. Each character is a specialist in some field and you have to use everybody's uh, specialty to really succeed and, and win at the game. So games have, you have cooperative games and you have competitive games. And businesses internally are cooperative. You know, they want their employees to collaborate and work together, but then externally they're competing with other businesses. So there's a lot of parallels, I think, between you know, companies and board games and, and how people interact with each other. And I, I think with technology, you know, a lot of people are sitting behind computers and just typing on keyboards and, and sitting in their little cubicles and not really interacting. And I think a lot of companies and I think society in general is kind of pushing back on that. And yeah. as Joe mentioned, I think that's why we have this renaissance of board games. I think it's because people want to be socially interactive, whether it's playing a board game or doing their job. Right. They want it. So, yeah, Joe, what do you think about that? Do you have anything, anything to add there? Yeah, I agree with uh, everything that Garrett said. And I think also um, the tactile experience. I mean, just playing a game like a game like Azul, for example, that has these lovely uh, tiles that you just they give this nice little click sound when you lay them down on the table yeah. and place them. So there's that, that tactile experience on top of the social experience. And you really see when people are playing board games, they put their phones away, um, they put their devices away, and they're just concentrating on what they're doing in front of them and interacting with the other people, um, particularly if there is a game that has a lot of interaction and, and maybe a little bit of uh, take that or a little bit, oh, you got you took that tile that I really wanted. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot more interaction. And, you know, I, I can't remember who said this quote, but something along the lines of, and I'm going misquote, to misquote this, but it's something along the lines of, you'll learn more uh, about somebody by playing a game with them for an hour than you will by uh, talking to them for a lifetime. I mean, that's really interesting. And if you think about it, one of the things that I think about with board games is it almost takes you out of reality because you're, you become this character, right? Or, you know, you kind of see a different side of somebody when they become competitive. Do you feel like there's an element of people being able to kind of separate themselves from the reality of their moment. So their, their life problems and issues and what's going on in the world takes a pause, right? And they're immersed in this game. You feel like there's an element of that in it too. Absolutely. Um, you definitely see people do this as um, some kind of stress relief. Maybe they have a really um, tough job or family situation and just, you know, sitting down and playing a game can really take them away from that. Uh, make them kind of, you know, put all that stuff in the past or, or not right. the past, but to the side. Yeah. And then when they are playing with other people too, there's uh, this element uh, that's been coined the magic circle, which basically whatever happens in the game happens in the game. So if yeah. you're really harsh to your spouse in a game and, you know, um, you know, take out their army or, or beat them in the game, you know, you're going to leave that behind. It's, it's not going to be something that you hold on to 
or hold right. against that person. It's you play the game, you walk away, and then, you know, back to normal life. But it, it's definitely something to step away from day-to-day life, have an enjoyable moment with some friends or family, and, you know, just, just forget about those problems for a moment. Right. Joe so, does not play a game with Marianne, so... <laughs> She, she remembers a game she won like seven years ago. <laughs> it will constantly remind me of that fact. Remember when I beat you at Power Grid? Remember that? Well, that's the other thing about games. They really, <laughs> they really make those memories too. Um, yeah. I remember an epic Monopoly game where I got eliminated early. Uh, my friend Dave was down to Park Place and Boardwalk and had hardly any money. My wife had all the money. She had every single other property. Nobody landed on Boardwalk or Park Place the entire game while I own them, of course. But then I lose them to my friend Dave. And he proceeds over the next couple hours to slowly whittle my wife down from, you know, that big uh, top spot and like six out of seven rounds in a row, she landed on one or the other. And he just continued to put more homes and um, hotels on there and just eventually won the game. It was a four hour epic game. And even though I'm not a big fan of Monopoly myself, um, yeah. I could still look back at that and, and think of that as a memory. Do you guys have any good stories from games? Like, I mean, I know Garrett has a ton where things have gotten particularly heated or people have gotten a little bit upset. And I know, you know, I mean, it happens, right? It's happened to everybody, but do you guys well, have you, any? Yeah, you learn. You, you learn. If you play with competitive people, it, things can get pretty dicey. Yeah. Pardon the pun, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, again, you know, like, like Joe said in, in his quote there, you do learn a lot from people. And I, I think two games are, it, it's almost, there's a, it's like reading a book. If, if a person wrote a book about themselves, if they wrote a, a biography, you know, it's like playing a game with them is like reading that biography. You, right. you really, you understand you can really get an idea of how they think their strategy and it really exposes a lot of their their psyche <laughs> and but the one thing that i really appreciate is that when you're playing a game with with someone and they're caught up in that world yeah what happens is genuine you know right. there there's no there's no jadedness. There's no facade that you're getting the real deal from that person. And right. it's, and it helps. I, th- I think it helps with relationships. I really do. And that's why when, when I play, if, if, if I go to like millennium on a Saturday and I just sit down and play a game with somebody that I've never played with before, yeah. I end up leaving feeling like I've known that person for the last 10 years. Yeah. It, it has that kind of effect. Yeah. And at least for me, it does. I don't know if that, if everybody has that same effect, but that's the effect I get from it. And I think, you know, it's, it says a lot. It says a lot about, you know, not only playing games, but who you play those games with. So. Right. Right. So Joe, I got to ask you too, because you're, you're, you've been doing board game design for quite a few years now, since 2014. Um, if somebody's listening to this and they have an idea for a game, but they don't know where to start, right? Mm-hmm. What What is the best, I guess, steps to take? I mean, you know, in terms of just, hey, I have this very preliminary idea. How do I, gr- how do I grow this? What do I start with? 
Plug your book. Plug your book. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good book. I love the book. Got it on my bookshelf. Thanks so much, Garrett. Um, yeah, I, I, always, I always say uh, the, the same thing, though. This question comes up quite a bit. I've got an idea. What do I want to do with it? Yeah. Um, the biggest piece of advice I can give that will be helpful is to get that idea out of your head and onto the table. Make yeah. a prototype. Make a simple, simple prototype. It doesn't have to be you know, the full scope of what you have. If, if you think it's going to be this huge epic game and there's going to be 500 different cards and they're all going to have different art and different powers and everything just start with 10 cards and and don't go and try to you know go and get all the art done and everything just make up some simple cards um either you know print them off or just hand write them put them down on the table try it out by yourself just see okay if it's my turn i'm going to try this see what happens another player might do this just to see if the flow works if the idea actually has some merit and then you'll yeah. see right away, oh, okay, this, this part isn't working. Oh, but this part's really interesting. And then you go more in that direction. I think right. a lot of people just get stuck with this idea in their head and then they don't go any further. And then you see them, you know, a year later at a convention, oh, how is that game you were talking about? Oh, I still haven't made it yet. I'm still thinking about this and that. They're like, yeah. it, that's the biggest thing is just to make that first prototype, get it out of your head. And then once it's kind of working put it in front of other people and start getting feedback and making that game better. Those are sort of the first couple steps, I would say. Yeah, Cause I'm actually, I've, I thought of a game idea a while back and I did, I did exactly that. I made a spreadsheet, you know, and I need to create like a, a prototype almost. So I may ask you about that later, Joe, but for sure. That's, yeah. That's Cause it, until you actually put it out in something physical, you can try out. It's, it's just an idea and you yeah. don't know if it's going to work or not. Uh, I got to ask you this too, Joe and, and Garrett, but, you know, there's thousands and thousands of games out there. And every day, thousands of people are coming up with new ideas for games. But, you know, only a small percentage really take off, right? You think of uh, Exploding Kittens, like that's enormously popular. I enjoy it. Garrett got me into that game. I went out, I bought it. I bought an expansion pack. I like to play it. Why, why do some board games make it and really become successful and, and get that mass appeal. And why do you feel some don't? What makes a board game great, I guess, is the question. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of different elements in it. It can go in kind of different directions. I think one might simply be just timing. Uh, if it comes out at the right time, people are ready for that kind of game. Um, also, uh, it's, it's probably usually a combination of things. That timing is one possibly. Um, innovation so something that's not necessarily totally brand new out of out of nowhere but it's got some kind of twist some kind of change that people haven't seen before and that really appeals to them if if it's got a really great theme uh, like example wingspan um, about birds um, there hadn't really been a game about birds before and and elizabeth hargrave came up with an engine building game that's all about you know birds and their habitats and their eggs and everything and that just you know exploded Um, so I think those are some of the key elements. I I think you have to come up with a a great game first of all, but it has to be also marketed well, um, get out there, you know, with the, you know, the right publisher, or if you're doing it yourself, get out there with, you know, the right following the right amount of interest, something innovative and something that's going to just interest people and make them think, oh, this, this is a little different. I want to try this. 
and then whether it has kind of like a cult following that grows like something like cards against humanity or yeah. something that you know big and blows up like exploding kittens like you said that one had the benefit of having um the artist oatmeal behind it who had you know millions and millions of followers so he had a a great start so that company got off to a great start because they had somebody that already had a following so um, that can also definitely help as well yeah so i'm going to ask you both a question i think is kind of a fun question um i guess i'll ask garrett first if you could play a board game with one historical or famous person alive or dead from history who would it be and what game would you play and why oh my god you know, the first the first person that came to my head was Hitler, but I know that's not a good one. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> no I wouldn't, well, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be interesting though to play a board game with Hitler though? If it was risk, maybe. You know, especially maybe when, especially when his syphilis is really kicking in. Oh, or Russian roulette, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah that'd be a good one. I don't know. You know, there's so many really interesting historical people. I, I, it would definitely be if, you know, I'm, I know this is like probably somebody like Elon Musk, you know, some of, some of it, or not, is it Elon Musk? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Bill Gates, you know, I, I don't know. Cause you know, I'm in the IT field, technology space that that's where I'd probably gravitate towards. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really not historical because they're, they're still alive. Does it have oh, to be yeah. somebody who's dead? No, I mean they're fa they're famous, so that's that's. Oh, somebody that's, famous. Yeah. So oh, man, there's just so many. I guess if I had to pick somebody, definitively, I, I think I would go with like Neil deGrasse Tyson, probably him. Hmm. Okay. And what would you play with? What would you play with him? Like in a, a game about space or something? Yeah, probably something, something like Quantum. Okay. which is like a dice rolling spaceship kind of game. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be real interesting just only because I think the conversation that we would have during the game would be interesting. Do you think he'd be one of those guys who would be competitive? Do you think he would get emotional or angry at losing? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's a competitive. Okay. At least what I've read and what I've, you know, quotes that he said and things like that. He doesn't seem like a very competitive person. He seems pretty chill. But he likes to debate. So he might he might question the rules, maybe. I don't know. It'd be interesting. No, it'd be interesting to know. The rules are pretty definitive in that game. Yeah. So well, if he's listening, if he's listening, uh, Neil, challenge get Garrett to a to a game. <laughs> Calling you out. I'll kick his ass. I'll kick y'all. What about you, Joe? What about your answer to this question? Oh, it's a good question. And I think um, I would have to pick, um, I'm going to have to narrow this down, but probably one of either um, Thomas Edison, Mary Curie, or Elijah McCoy. Um, and I picked them because uh, there's a great game called Steampunk Rally uh, that features a whole bunch of inventors, including them, Nicholas Tesla, and, and, and a bunch of others, where you're making these uh, vehicle contraptions you're constantly adding to them rolling dice to keep them going um, and cooling them down and moving along this track where you're you're building your machine as you're going through the race and it features uh, a whole whack of these different um, inventors so it would be amazing to play that game against one of them uh, as they play as their own character and i play against them as one of you know their 
either competitors or, or another um, inventor. Yeah, interesting. I love that. You guys, I mean, you guys have been doing gaming for a while. Do you ever get intimidated by playing a game or do you ever feel like you're, you're not, I mean, you're both, I would assume, sort of competitive. I know, Garrett, you're competitive on some levels with this. But do you ever play a game or play with people that you felt like intimidated by or maybe it's just too much or do you like the challenge of it all? Uh, I've early on, I, I think I, I would play against people that I thought, you know, were just, there's a, there's a gentleman, uh, Rick, who play, plays Wednesday nights at Millennium and he's highly, highly competitive, very competitive, yeah. you know, and I remember I sat down and they were playing, uh, Scythe and, I mean, this wasn't that long ago, but I just remember being just nervous through the whole experience. You know, it's like he's, he's trying to explain the game to you, but he just makes you feel like an idiot when you ask a when you ask a question. Yeah. So he's very intimidating. He's he's very, but he's he's probably been playing playing games for like thirty years. Yeah. So he's a whole generation, you know, ahead of me. So, right. but yeah, I've been intimidated. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Any, any situations like that for you? Yeah, actually, when I was getting into modern board games, I went to a small local convention with a friend and uh, he, had, he had been playing games with, uh, with a couple of different gaming groups and some of the people were there from that group. And he said, oh, yeah, we should go play a game with, uh, with these folks over here. They're, they're introducing one. This is a really good one. And uh, the game is called Orleans. And it's a, it's a fairly heavy Euro game. And I was just getting into modern board games. So it was um, when, when they're going through the teach, which took a, probably about half an hour um, <laughs> just to learn the game and going through all the different aspects. Um, it was just kind of an overwhelming game at that point for me. I think I could s- step into it now and probably do okay, but I just was, okay, I'm going to focus on this one aspect over here, maybe a little bit of this. I'm going to ignore this other board over here completely because there's just so many different options for things to do. And I felt very overwhelmed yeah. at that time. Um, and I think I ended with a score of something like 60 or 70 and everybody else is at like, I don't know, like 200 or something. They're like, Oh no, that's a good score for your first time there. And I just felt like, Oh man, I just got crushed. And I was just trying to get through it because it was this really long game with a lot of complexities and and just far beyond, um, anything I'd played at that point. Right. So, I mean, let's, let's think about like, if you're, if you're someone listening and you just want to start getting into these games and obviously there's. There's a whole variety from simple to advanced. I mean, there's Monopoly, there's Connect Four, and then there's like a whole 500 mile span of more advanced and developed games. How does someone start? I mean, if somebody walks into a board game store like you guys go to or a group, how do they start? How do they get, I guess, initiated into this world? What's the best way to to tiptoe your way in? I'll let Joe go first. Oh, sure. Um, I would say if, if you have a friend, that really helps. If you have a friend that's been playing games for a while, because um, they can help introduce you to ones that they know will be more kind of what we call like gateway games. Uh, some refer to that as like gateway onto bigger things, but just also just gateway from like being a non-gamer to being like a casual gamer. So they may introduce you to something like Catan or um, Ticket to Ride or Wingspan or Azul, something that's a little lighter that you can get into that there aren't a ton of rules. 
you can get into, start playing right away and have some fun before you get into the really heavy ones. I, I found that's really helpful to have somebody to kind of introduce you because they can, they know where you're at and they're not going to introduce you to, you know, the most complex thing. They're not going to give you, you know, Twilight Imperium, a big long game. You're going to be playing for six or 12 hours and trying to muddle through. Yeah. Um, they're going to get you um, into something that hopefully is at the right speed for you. And then, you know, maybe work your way up or just introduce you to other games, figure out what kind of stuff you like. And then when they see, okay, you like this type of game. Oh, you might want to like this one. You might want to try this one. Okay. Yeah. This one wasn't your style. Okay. Then, you know, maybe we'll try something different. So I think that's a really great way to do it. Right. What about you, Garrett? If I, if I'm talking to somebody and obviously there's, people out there to play like Monopoly and Clue and, you know, played a lot of those games. But fortunately now, I mean, you can walk into Target, you can walk into Barnes and Noble and they, they've got some of the more Euro type games out there. And so when people, I've been in Barnes and Noble and talked to a person, they're like, oh, you know, there's, stuff, there's all these different games. I don't know what to get. My advice is go to Board Game Geek find something that interests you and don't get anything with a complexity rating of two or higher. If, if you're just starting out. Yeah. So there's plenty of resources out there, but Joe's right. I think if, if it's somebody, you know, and they don't know anything about board games or they really haven't played any board games, you just got to introduce them and you've got to play some game, show them, show them some light games and, and play them and, and find something, you know, that, that might be, they think might be appealing to them. Right. So, but what I do a lot of times with students, uh, I've, we, we do a once, once a month, we do a board game meet and I have a lot of students come in that haven't, you know, really played too many board games. They've heard of Catan, never played it. They've heard of, you know, things like uh, Ticket to Ride. Maybe they played it, maybe they haven't. So I always bring out a game that I know I can teach them in like 10 or 15 minutes and that we can play in less than an hour. So that, that's, and that, that seems to be, get them engaged enough to spark their interest and, you know, maybe uh, pursue, pursue board games on their own. Well, this has been a good, uh, good conversation. Um, I want to give you guys both a chance to, let people know where to reach you. I know, Joe, you have your book out. So tell us a little bit about your book, your website. And if people have questions for you, how can they uh, reach out to you? For sure. Yeah. So all my resources are available on boardgamedesigncourse.com. That's where you'll find my blog. I do a, a weekly blog talking all about games and game design. Um, I've got my books on there as well, the Board Game Designer's Guide and others and my course. So yeah, that's the best place to find it at uh, boardgamedesigncourse.com. Cool. And Garrett, um, if people are listening and they want to, you know, get in touch with you or sit down with you and play some games, how do they contact you? Well, they can find me. I'm, I'm, I have a presence on social media. So but yeah, you could just Google Garrett Akarachi. I mean, that last name isn't very common, but you know, or just go to our, go to the RIT RIT website and look me up in the Galisano School of Computing and Information Sciences. So, but I do, I do want to, can I, can I just say that I, 
one of the when I started thinking about making my board game, I picked up Joe's Joe's book, The Board yeah. Game Designer's Guide. Yeah. And it it is really, really helpful. So if there's anybody out there that is thinking about designing a board game or wants to pursue it, th- that book is just a huge resource. It is chock full of really good information. And I, I made a lot of mistakes early on. You know, I I went and, you know, paid money for artists and all this other stuff. And, you know, he, it, this book will really get you on going in the right direction. And I, I'm not doing it just to, you know, promote Joe, but just people out there that if they want to have an inherent interest and really have a desire to want to learn how to design a board game, I would, I would highly recommend this book. It's just very, very helpful. And, you know, it's just, it'll get you going in the right direction for sure. Yeah, Joe, and I want to ask you about that too. I mean, you wrote a book about game design. I mean, I can't imagine you must have put a lot of time and energy in coming up with the content for this book. I mean, we're talking years. Did you just really just start taking everything down you've learned over the years of playing games, but also working with game designers and being a game designer yourself? I mean, how did you come up with all this this book? I mean, the content in the book. Yeah, I'd say it was about four years into designing games. I, I kind of came to the realization that, um, you know, there, there wasn't one resource out there that I learned from. I was like, where did I t- pick up all this knowledge? And it was from, you know, blogs and videos and, and reading things and, and just my own learning. It was just all those things compiled together. And I was looking around, I was like, there's no one place I can go to get this. I'm like, why is there not a, a book on this? So I thought, why not? Um, you know, put this together as one package. So I just, you know, put down all my ideas, kind of put a, a rough skeleton, a framework together for, you know, all the things that, you know, I learned and that that I think would be important from start to finish, from coming up with an idea to making, you know, to not worry about people stealing it to, um, uh, you know, making that prototype, play testing it, all the steps along there. Um, and just putting it together so that people would have one resource they could go to. I, I just wanted to give back because I like helping others. Um, I've always you know, been that way. And I wanted to share that knowledge so that people didn't have to take four years like me to get to the same point. You could get there much, much faster if you have this information all in one place. Right, right. Well, thank you both. It's been a great uh, conversation. It's been a good episode 50. Um if you have a question about games or you're planning to design a game, or even if you have a real rough sketch idea, reach out to Joe Slack, um, get involved, reach out to Garrett. Thank you guys so much. It's been a really fun conversation. I learned a lot and I wish you both luck with your, uh, with your work. Thanks. Oh. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Joe, so much, Ryan. thanks for, for joining us. Yeah. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Ryan, and thanks for the invite, Garrett. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in becoming an episode sponsor, please email me at livingryan at gmail.com. And thank you so much.